actually heard a third hot take in there, and it's your <laughs> oh, no. pronunciation of avios. Oh, <laughs> is that Ooh, a hot take? Which is it? Uh, I, don't it is I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's obvious, right? I don't I've know. I say avios, but nope. Hmm. I say obvious. Oh, oh man, I got in the a minority. different hot take. Welcome to Takeoff a Points and Miles podcast by 10X Travel. I'm Bryce Conway. I'm here with some friends of mine, and we're excited to teach you a bit about Points and Miles. Why don't we start by telling everyone who we are? I'm Emily. Uh, I have been in the Points and Miles game since around 2017. Um, And a big thing I'm using my Points and Miles on this year is traveling to all my friends' weddings. Um, Just to cut back on the costs, those things get expensive. I'm Travis. I've been in Points and Miles since 2016. Uh, this year, I'm using my points and miles. Um, I've gone to the Maldives and Mexico once, and I'm looking forward to a trip to Scotland in May. I'm Matt. I grew up in points and miles, but I had to start using my own in about 2015 or 2016. I recently got back last week from a trip to Hawaii where I got to hang out with 60 plus of our 10x plus travel readers and hang out in Hawaii and just got these fun shirts made to commemorate the event. Beautiful. On today's episode, we're going to walk through some of the basics of points and miles, how it works. We want to teach you some of the early stuff as you get going on your journey, introduce you to who we are, talk about some of our own experiences in points and miles. And most importantly, we just want to have fun. Sound like a summer camp counselor. But to start things out, I want to start with the basics. I want to try to have everyone explain what is the points and miles hobby? Like imagine you're at a happy hour, someone approaches you, like what is points and miles? kind of the elevator pitch, if you will, I always say it's just, it's using simple ways to earn a bunch of points and miles without actually traveling. Those points and miles can be used to book travel, including some very high-end travel at a fraction of the cost. And it's a lot easier and more effective than you probably realize. Most people assume that this is going to be a lot of work to save like a few bucks here and there, you know, save a hundred bucks on a flight. The results shock almost everyone who gets into this hobby, shocked me from the jump and I'm not sure how else to, to really describe it. It it heavily relies on, on credit cards earning the points, which scares a lot of people away because there's all sorts of like stigmas and negative stuff out there about credit cards. And yeah, the results kind of speak for themselves. I always look at it as extreme couponing because there's lots of overlaps and similarities, except uh, with points and miles, you're not getting like 50 bottles of laundry detergent for like, you know, five cents a bottle. Uh, we get much more usable uh, redemptions out of it, which is travel way more fun than stuff you can get from the grocery store uh do you guys remember those those old smart source red coupon dispensers that were on like every aisle of the grocery store back in the 90s maybe the 2000s that they would just like pass out the coupons and they would always be like there'd be one in the cereal section for the cereal to me it's the same concept here except the banks like amex chase etc are those new like smart source coupon distributors and the coupons they're handing out are credit card offers primarily with huge welcome bonuses that you can take and redeem at checkout to apply to your travels. Uh, You can also get double and triple manufacturer coupons with transfer bonuses from these issuers to programs. So there's a lot of overlap. And also people carry around binders with tons of credit cards, just like those extreme couponers do their binders of coupons. So a lot of overlap here. A new analogy to add to the course yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. And Matt, you seem to know a lot about extreme couponing. Is there something you want to tell us? 
I went through a Did you like, like move all the bottles from behind your your camera for this for this podcast? <laughs> I went through a short extreme couponing uh phase before I got into points and miles. And by short I mean literally for like a month and then yeah, it was not as interesting anymore. But I got some wow. fun stuff for free. That was cool. Man, those those coupon dispensers as a kid were like the best. Like just going and pulling coupons from every single one and your parents yelling at you. Uh only now you get free flights. So I, I think this is a little bit better. The actual redemption rate on those had to be like 5% with the other 80% of it being just kids that would grab them and then throw them away. And then people, the remaining would be people that just got them but didn't actually use them. But yes, most kids, I feel like, just pulled them out and did nothing with them. Yeah, but it, it's 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 kind of funny, like the similarities, because, you know, those coupons had like a cash value written on them. And it might have been like a fraction of a, of a cent, but in the same way, uh, the points and miles they have a value to them as well but like you said like with the what you call like manufacturer coupons by stacking with bonuses and uh leveraging different partners like you can get a much higher value than what's advertised is that your answer by the way travis we can go to you you're in a bar a friend of a friend comes up hey what's this point stuff about what do you say oh yeah i had a lot of good practice before uh before we recorded this i was at a work function with my wife and every she had been telling people about what i do and so everyone wanted wanted to know more so i kind of got it down pretty pretty succinct to uh uh to tell them that it's like that points and miles is just it it, it's pretty simple it's using money you're already spending on your day-to-day expenses but leveraging that with credit cards and sign up offers to get extremely discounted travel that's definitely an elevator pitch that's fast that's one yet (laughs) emily what's your what's your go-to explanation for this Mine is is pretty similar to Travis's. It's like just strategically using the credit cards to your advantage, just making your money work harder for you that you're already spending. Um, And the great thing about that is that it can be repeated over and over again. So of course, there's nuances and there's rules that kind of limit you in certain ways. But essentially, you can just get a new credit card every time you're done hitting the minimum spend on the first one. And in no time, you'll have plenty of points and you'll be able to travel a lot more than you could in the first place. I like all of yours better than mine, for the record. <laughs> nice work. So assuming that someone doesn't come up to you at a bar and give you the elevator pitch, you know, how did you get into points and miles? Let's talk about how we got into points and miles. I'm going to start with Matt, uh, kind of working our way around the horn here. What was, what was day zero, day one? How did you find this hobby and what was the, what was the beginning like for you? Sure. So I, I grew up pretty exposed to points and miles. My dad traveled a lot for his job um, and was dedicated to... U.S. Airways and Marriott. So my our summers consisted of a lot of uh, U.S. Airway dividend miles redemptions and Marriott redemptions. Uh, many award charts ago in a totally different sort of environment for what stuff costs. So that's always been fun to see how that's evolved since then. But yeah, so then I guess by about college or so, it uh, it was made quite apparent that uh, these miles weren't going to be made available to me in perpetuity, and you know more or less needed to figure it out on my own. So not directly said that way, but we can double click on that. What was that conversation? <laughs> you got like? the boot. We don't, <laughs> a lot can do that in a future in, episode, but I'm curious. Yeah. Lots can be inferred, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, I had a decent knowledge and understanding of how these programs worked, not the nuance of it, but Hey, we got to go on some awesome trips from them. Um, and so, you know, shortly a couple of years after college of, you know, we weren't traveling very much as many people out of college until I kind of, uh, stumbled upon a Facebook ad about a crazy guy that went to Thailand for like pennies on the dollar. 
uh, and led me into this group called 10X Travel. Uh, and basically, yeah, took the course just like we suggest to so many other people back in, I guess this was like early 2016 or something like that. So pretty early days. Um, but yeah, I went through sort of the same curriculum like we had applied sort of what I knew or thought I knew from sort of my experience through uh, all the stuff growing up and then sort of dev, dove head first into this world. And now I get to work in it every day, helping to expose this magical world to others. Uh, Travis, working our way down the line, how did you find points and miles? Like my wife says, everything good in my life, I have to give thanks to her for. And I guess points and miles is no exception. Uh, I didn't uh, grow up traveling all that much. Um, but like Matt, once I was out of college, I kind of wanted to start exploring. And uh, what really got me started was when I got engaged. Uh, my wife told me she wanted to take our honeymoon in the Maldives. And I actually thought that the Maldives was an island in the Caribbean because everyone I knew went to Jamaica or Mexico. So I hadn't looked it up on a map. So I said, sure, why not? Then I looked up where it was and how far it is and how expensive it is, which for a fresh college grad, um, and my wife was in graduate school at the time, it was quite a sticker shock. And I'm, I'm sitting down, so you can't tell, but I'm like, six and a half feet tall so the idea of starting my marriage off flying 30 hours cramped like that just that just sounded like a bad start so i was trying to figure out how how to make this honeymoon happen and i uh had heard about points and miles like once or twice so i dug in and said hey let's give it a try you know we've got wedding expenses we should be able to meet the bonuses on a few cards and uh, lo and behold, we ended up uh, flying first class, staying 10 nights in the Maldives, all on points and miles. Wow. Do you remember what that kind of first Google search was when you say, like, I've heard of points and miles. Maybe it was from a friend of a friend at a bar with a bad elevator pitch. But where did you go from there? You just like Google, like, how do points and miles work? Like, what was what was the first few steps? Yeah. So I, I think I, if I remember, I actually like tried specifically with the Maldives. So I was searching like points and miles, free Maldives vacation um, and stumbled upon uh, another site that kind of outlined a trip that that they had taken. So um, read that, studied it and started off trying to just kind of mimic what they were doing. You know, I figured if this is what they did and it worked for them, then maybe the same thing should work for me. And uh, I ended up actually finding 10X Travel because because you, Bryce, had done uh, a guest post on that site. Emily, how about you? What's your points to miles origin story? Well, I was going to say, I think that Thailand Facebook ad is like your best ROI <laughs> ever, maybe. Two <laughs> employees. Yeah. And the results of, you know, the attribution settings. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So I remember, I think it was like 2017 being at my first job out of college and obviously scrolling on Facebook again, being efficient at my job, like Travis was. Um, and seeing this ad and instantly ignoring everything else I was supposed to do that day and just downloaded the course, which was an ebook at the time and read everything. And I just decided then and there that we were going to go to Thailand and this is how we were going to do it. I mapped out all my cards that I was going to get for like the next two and a half years or whatever and forced my now fiance into it as well. And Finally, in like January 2019, we took our, our Thailand trip. And then from there, I didn't really have to like prove anything out anymore because it had been accomplished. And now I, I work here and it's awesome. And I get to do stuff that I love every day. So 
Yeah, it worked out pretty well for me. It's a super rapid ascent from <laughs> January of 2019, first trip, now doing this you know, professionally and, and teaching others. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'll, I'll quickly tell my own origin story for points and miles. I did not find this Facebook ad <laughs> for Thailand because I hadn't created it yet. I <laughs> stumbled into points and miles uh, while trying to save money on a spring break trip in college. This was 2011. I went to college in Ohio. It's it's cold. I know. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel old every time I say it. But yeah, I was, I was trying to go on spring break in Florida from Ohio. I had like $18 in my college checking account at the time. And I was like, there's no way I can afford this. So I just started Googling, like, how do you save money on travel? And I was looking for like some of those kind of rumored opportunities that like used to bounce around where you could like carry a package, you know, last minute and like, pay for part of your plane ticket. Or you could like take photos for a family and they'd like help subsidize your travel. And I searched for that for, I don't know, half a day. I didn't find a single mention of that actually being real, which was like super disappointing. There was no good travel advice out there. It was all the cliche stuff like book on a Tuesday where there's like a, a harvest moon, you know, just stuff that just did not help at all. So I, I remember like, you know, talking to my parents, like frustrated, like, hey, my spring break plans are I'm going to like come home for a week. Like that sounds fun. But then I noticed from that point forward that pretty much every ad I saw on the internet was for travel credit cards, which to me at the time was like the perfect ad because I was desperate to save money on travel. You know, I, I roughly knew kind of how credit worked, or at least I thought I did. So I saw one in particular, it was offering two free flights. I think you had to sign up and spend like a thousand bucks on it. So I did. It was a Southwest card. Uh, I did. I actually got approved for this. This was like kind of in the Wild West days of credit on, on like a tour guide salary. Used it to buy my textbooks for the next quarter. And like, lo and behold, I actually got two free flights with the points. I don't know why I was super surprised by that, but it worked out. So I, I ended up redeeming those for not just Florida. Like I booked Ohio to Florida for the first half of spring break and then Florida to Las Vegas for the second half of spring break. Cause I had two free flights and I wasn't going to save those. Right. I want to go big. So I had this great spring break, like lots of fun. And I, I knew like some, something bad has to happen when I come home, right. Things can't be this easy. So I come home and I'm like waiting for just anything generally bad to happen. I wasn't certain what it was. I thought maybe, I don't know, the cop's going to come to my like college house. Uh, is my credit score going to be like tanked? Is the bank going to be mad at me? And the cops didn't come well, for credit stuff anyway. The, uh, the bank sent me more offers for more cards and my credit score went up. So I just like naturally thought to myself, I was like, wait, why wouldn't I just do that again and again and again and again? So I like started Googling like, you know, open credit cards, earn points, travel for free. And that's when I found like Flyer Talk and kind of the early points and miles forums. This is before a lot of the sites are around and just started devouring content, much like all of you said seeing how other people are doing it. I think the, the space was a little bit more open back then where people would willingly share stuff because it was very small. And then down the rabbit hole I went and just started traveling like crazy with my wife. We'd go to like Europe for like a long weekend and just like burning points like crazy and uh, did that for a few years. That's what ultimately led to 10X Travel. We'll tell that story on another podcast. But yeah, it all started desperation to go on spring break and a lack of funds to do so. I think your experience of expecting something bad to happen is is common. I know uh, my first trip I took with Points and Miles, we went to Hawaii, and I was so nervous that I was going to get to the airport, go to check in and drop off my bags, and they were just going to laugh at me and say, ha ha, you fell for it. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely think like getting that first redemption, 
out of the way is so key to kind of settling your nerves and realizing this is real this works and i can like keep doing this for years you know you've been doing it since 2011 matt since he was in the womb uh and and how much of an impact it can have on your life yeah it, it truly is dramatic i think one of one of the unique parts of kind of my own journey here is that that's all i've ever really known because like i found this in college so i didn't really have a period of life where like i'm used to paying for travel or like budgeting for it so that gives me kind of a, a weird perspective i remember in the first few years of 10x travel i would i would struggle kind of outlining like what points are worth because i would i would be telling people like yeah thirty thousand points you can fly to europe which usually costs and I have to pause, but I don't know. I have no idea how much a flight to Europe costs. I haven't paid for one before. Uh, so I'd have to like Google and search these things. So yeah, we everyone finds points and miles kind of a, a unique phase in life. And I think one one thing that I hear so often is like, oh, I wish I would have found this sooner. And I usually tell people like, it's not like that's, that's that would be pretty rare that you just kind of find it at the perfect time. So, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. But as someone that anyway, uh, wasn't yeah. as lucky to find it in college as you and paid cash for their honeymoon, paid cash for a couple of Europe trips, uh, and then other general travel, like uh, the year when I think we had 11 weddings in one year. <laughs> I wish I found this sooner. <laughs> so, so like, uh, we've, we've talked about our styles kind of changing, you know, seeing that evolution of paying cash and how you travel. What's your, what's your points on mile style now? Like, what, do, what does that look like for y'all? Uh, bougie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm getting picky with my products. I'm like, and I'm happy to be more flexible to get like a, a better experience while traveling. I think that I've followed a typical pattern that we see in this where like you start out where you're all quantity, no quality. Pretty much everyone says like, I don't know why you'd redeem for business or first class when you can have like three or four economy tickets. And I said that and everyone says that. And then, and then you try it. And then you usually come out saying like, oh, I'm only going to do that going forward. So that's pretty much me. If I'm flying over an ocean with points and miles, I am very likely not flying on economy. Even if I have to like move trip dates or anything, it just, once you know that that's out there, it's, it's hard to, to go back. So guilty as charged, bougie. Uh, I'm definitely similar. My style's definitely shifted and evolved probably a common theme like we'll hear uh when i first got started into it i literally man it maximized every single card swipe i was always working a sign up bonus i would go to office depot to buy gift cards so i was not getting one x on like any transaction i was making um we had the companion pass so we flew southwest a ton um you know just literally a lot of travel it'll optimize pretty much everywhere i could now I've kind of shifted. I maybe open like three to four cards a year on average um, and loosely sort of pay attention to the the like spend and don't go out of my way to maximize every single dollar. But that directly sort of contradicts my travel style. Premium cabins as much as I can. Not always but as much as I can, uh, but like hotel stays, I really want to pay attention to like the thread count on the sheets and you know, <laughs> is there turn down service and other sort of higher end opportunities when I can. So... Um, it's definitely a little bit spoiled both on the travel side, but also the wallet side. And so just quality over quantity is probably a natural progression. I never really was super focused on like every single like point earning opportunity. And I think maybe that might have to do with like starting off while I was living in New York, like 
I think it's a lot harder to like do the gift card approach and like trying to maximize your spend that way. So mine was really just like completely sign up bonus focused and still still is at this point. But um, I will out myself and say I have still not flown in a premium cabin. So <laughs> I am still in the economy phase of my life, but hopefully not for very much longer because ideally for my honeymoon next year, I will be flying in a very nice cabin. Are you going to find those flights yourself for your honeymoon? I think I might. I just like the challenge, but I know I could use the booking service. <laughs> I use the booking service. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's people always talk about that. But now I, I think we should take a moment and try to warn you, Emily. Like, premium <laughs> cabin's great, but the moment you cross over, like, it's like, you know, Morpheus appears. Yeah. If you take the premium cabin pill, you'll never be able to go back to economy. <laughs> but if you take the economy one, like, you're still kind of satisfied. So do think about it for just a few minutes if you're ready to kind of open that Pandora's box. You know, it's 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 interesting, though, because I've kind of been thinking recently of not stepping all the way back because that would be too much. But I, I've definitely contemplated like premium economy, especially on some of the daytime flights to, to Europe. You know, when I'm not necessarily looking to sleep, I just want a little bit more space. Yeah. I haven't actually I, done it, but I've at least thought about it for what it's worth. I feel like from a booking perspective, it's like, really hard to find it's like almost harder to find premium economy availability than it is business well and and like so i almost booked it for my trip to scotland but it was only like fifteen thousand more points for business as well so i'm yeah i'm sitting there weighing like fifteen thousand <laughs> points to spend the next you know 10 hours in in business versus premium economy like i said it's a totally theoretical concept that i've not booked yet but but i i've i found myself at least hypothetically saying I would. I look forward to reading yeah. your premium economy trip report. <laughs> I, it we just... look forward to reading your first premium economy yes. trip report. This could be like <laughs> sure. a live podcast from the skies. Yeah. Let's find a plane where y'all can both do you know, the same flight. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, I have the same experience. Premium economy seems like airlines price it at like 90% of business. And it's not 90% of business, but I will tell you, the one beauty of premium economy, and I've flown it quite a bit lately, sadly paying cash a lot, is for families. Because uh, like if I'm in a, in a conventional like premium cabin product with my three-year-old, you know, she, if she can't see me like behind her own little seat, and you know they have to be sitting out for takeoff and all that kind of serious stuff, that's a problem. But premium economy makes it perfect because we all get a little bit more space, but I can still reach and like help with the toys and the food, cut the food and all that. So premium economy is like business class for families with young children well brace you've you've flown a little bit of everything economy premium economy you know matt and i sound super spoiled having done all that like what's your favorite redemption so far oh yeah that's always a hard a hard question i feel like that's like when people ask you like what's your favorite place to travel and like it's kind of all different but i'd probably say a and a first class to tokyo i think that's probably like the single highest end product i've flown and it helped that the booking was just an incredible value. Booked it through Virgin. I want to say it was 120,000 points round trip. And you had I a had fun story uh, booking it and finding that space, if I remember oh, yeah. correctly. I, had to, I booked it twice. Like, I booked it through United because it wasn't available initially on Virgin. And then, like, I got it through United. But then uh, I was, like, I held my own ticket because, like, I had the booking on United. 
but it was still within the 24-hour window. So I called Virgin and I was like, hey, I want to find a seat on this flight. And they're like, oh, we don't have any available. And I was like, one moment, please. And like, I click cancel, cancel. And she's like, oh, how did you do that? <laughs> Magic. <laughs> so I released my own seat uh, and then ended up booking it for like less than half the price. So yeah, anyone interested, just Google like 10x travel, how I booked ANA twice. It'll pop up. That was a wild day. There's it featuring screenshots of my text messages back and forth with like people on the team, like when I found it and stuff. It was a, it was a fun article, fun trip. But really, and I guess in, in terms of like points, like point value for like super premium product, it, it's really hard to beat that particular redemption. But I'd be curious to hear all of you. What's your favorite redemption so far? We can start out with with Emily. I guess like I've really only done like one big trip at this point because the others got canceled due to that little old pandemic. But Thailand was awesome. I, I mean, it was great because you get that like first redemption high. But I will say that I also got like a similar high off of booking an around the world trip for one of our clients. And that was just like exhilarating. And I don't even get to go on it. <laughs> I just was like, so proud and excited that I had done this like super challenging booking. So I hope that whoever is taking that trip has a great time. <laughs> and I hope they're listening and realize that yeah. like you got excited by booking that. And this yeah. is the first episode, of course, there's to provide some quick context. Emily runs our like entire award booking service, which sees all sorts of different requests and bookings. She's by far like the person to go to on staff for like, I have these points. I want to book this. You talk to Emily. So that's <laughs> I'm super here. cool. Yeah, I think like that day I was just sending so many slacks to everyone being like, okay, like it's on hold. Okay, it's booked. Like now I'm just waiting to pay the taxes and fees, like live stream updates of everything <laughs> happening. Travis, how about you? I originally had another trip in mind for my favorite, but I think reflecting on it, um, my favorite was probably for my wife's birthday last year. We went to Bali and what made it so exciting was, so I had booked it using American Express membership rewards points with the business platinum card, you get 35% of your points back on premium cabin bookings. And I had just randomly found uh, round trip flights in business class for like $1,400. So with the 35% points back, it was like 100,000 points per person round trip through Amex travel. So it's not using a, a transfer partner. It's like just booking. How dare you? Yeah, I know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but what made it like so exciting, um, and I think everyone maybe remembers my uh, like inner child coming out a bit, was when we were at the gate to board our flight from Chicago to, to Tokyo, they announced that they had changed the aircraft. And ANA has released a new business class. So we were originally booked on the old one. And on the new with the aircraft change, we got changed to the new one. And I was so excited because I was not expecting it at all. And I mean, ANA's old business class is still nice, but the new one was just blew them all out of the water. It's my favorite business class experience now. And you literally got, found out like 10 minutes before boarding. Yeah. And like, they, and like weren't even sure until you got on the plane, right? I think I remember yeah, that. Yeah, because they had, they had called me up, to, you know, like to the, the gate agent, like said... Mr. Travis Cormier, please come see the gate agent at gate D14. And 
um, she said, hey, I just wanted to let you know we had to change the aircraft and your new seat faces backwards. Is that okay? And only their new business class has seats that face backwards. So I I was so excited and trying not to get my hopes up, but I was spamming everyone like, oh my goodness, I think I'm going to get to fly the new business class. Then we got to Bali, stayed at this beautiful new resort where the rooms like don't have walls. They're exposed in the nature, in jungle. Just had a, a very nice, relaxing time. And then on my flight back, um, I was supposed to be flying United Business Class back to Houston. And that flight got canceled while I was in Jakarta. So uh, I call up United to ask them like to to change my flight. And I just asked them to put me on ANA's new business class again to New York. And sure enough, they did. So in one trip, like I got to fly their new business class twice, which I was not expecting at all, um, which just made me very happy. Um, it was a fantastic experience. Like uh, we were already expecting it to be a great trip, but it just made it so much better despite, you know, having a flight canceled. That's normally a kind of a nightmare situation for people, but it worked out for me at some point we need to release like screenshots of these internal <laughs> threads that we're all referencing where like we're kind of freaking out about they asked if i want to sit backward we all know what that means but no one else on the plane does you know like it's and we, we're the only other people who can like kind of celebrate that with you because most of your friends are probably what huh that seems are you gonna get like plane sick that seems weird <laughs> yeah well and it's 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 great because i actually prefer sitting backwards on planes too so it, it made it even better for me a lot of people don't like it but I really like it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a preference that you can only have <laughs> if you are A, stupid rich, or B, very good at points and miles. <laughs> Opinions yeah. on which direction to sit on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. You and your wife flew differently, different like routes and everything on that one, right? Correct. Yes, we did. Because I feel like that's not something people a lot of that a lot of people are open to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm. I'm. Again, all good things in my wife come. All good things in my life come from my wife. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm lucky that, uh, you know, we sometimes have different priorities in our travels. Or, you know, sometimes we'll take a trip and there's only one seat in business or first class available on one flight. There's one seat on another. Um, and she's totally open to us flying separate. She's like, you know, on that trip, uh, she wanted to get home faster and I wanted to take a different routing to fly a different product. So we were on separate itineraries on the, on the way home. So she didn't even know that my flight got canceled until she landed back in Houston. Cause she was, you know, somewhere over the Pacific when that happened, but she just had a nice little message. Oh, my flight got canceled, but now I'm flying ANA's new business class again. I hope you enjoyed your flight. <laughs> Perfect. Are you sure it's not, I'm sitting backward in all caps with explanation points? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Matt, how about you? From just a like pure luxury flying experience, Singapore Suites is, is by far my peak redemption. I don't really ever anticipate topping it. I would love to, but uh, for the time being, I don't foresee any other products topping that uh, that I will be flying anytime soon or that exist. That was just like... That literally the icing on the cake, whatever the level above that is, um, it well, was awesome. Well, I've, I've got to I've got to ask you then, Matt. Yep. Because I I do think of something that might be able to top it. Okay. Have you taken a shower on an airplane yet? Well, 
No, but that's on the to-do lists. Some of us, some of us don't go to the Maldives like every other weekend and fly Emirates multiple times, or have Emirates from their home airport that they can just kind of hop on when they see fit to go shower in the sky. But yes, it's on the list. <laughs> yes, Travis is uh, is Houston based, by the way, everyone, and it is the envy of the entire staff the amount of flights and availability that he has from his home airport. So yes. y'all can move, you know. <laughs> I already did that to a worse airport. (laughs) (laughs) But no, from a luxury standpoint, Singapore Suites. But I don't want people to think that all we do is talk about uh, premium cabin redemptions here and first class this and that. Actually, I think my favorite redemption we've done was back in 2016. We flew. I think we did end up like paying a little bit extra like cash at check-in to upgrade to premium cabin, premium economy, but it wasn't. It was just a bigger seat, maybe even the bulkhead. Uh, we flew fr- to London and Paris using actually used Capital One Venture Miles that had used that I'd earned from years before really getting into points and miles for like a three hundred and fifty dollar fare or something like that. So just used them at one cent for the flights. But then we had opened a couple Chase products since then, so I transferred points to Hyatt to stay at some awesome hotels in London and in Paris. Um, and so we kind of like, it was a combination of, oh, wait, this isn't a scam. It actually works. And, oh, I really like bougie hotels. So it was like, a it was, it was awesome from that standpoint, but also kind of spoiled us moving forward because how could every other trip live up to, you know, this level of, uh, luxury. We stayed at the Churchill in London, which it's been like five or six years since I stayed there, but we loved it. We got upgraded to an awesome suite. Um, and then in Paris, we, we were supposed to have two nights at the, uh, I think it's called the hotel Madeline or something like that. It's a Hyatt property. Um, and then three nights at the park Hyatt, which was awesome. Uh, but we went to go check in at the first hotel and there was like a strike by the housekeeping staff or something like kind of wild. And they were like, so you can't check in, but we've already moved you over to the park Hyatt. So you'll just stay there for six nights. And I was like, darn, I think I can accept that, but they didn't charge us anymore. So I think we stayed, I want to say it was like 20K a night and the park height was 30 or whatever. So like basically got you know, thirty a third price off or whatever for the park height for three extra nights. So that was awesome. But yeah, I think that was probably wow. the, the favorite trip for uh, being able to do it on our own dime and also get the itch for luxury travel. For my favorite redemption, you know, what we talk about A&A first class, it's fantastic. But I also, I, I noted my first ever flight, which was also to Paris. Uh, that my first award flight. And I, I still had that feeling of like, uh, I'm sitting in my seat, but until they close this cabin door, I'm convinced that someone's going to come like deplane me and be like, that dude's using points, like get him out of here. He's like, you know, he's, he's cheating or whatever. You know, I still feel a little bit of guilt when I, when I book like, you know, expensive travel with points. I don't know if you guys get that too. It just feels like this, this is almost not fair. Like it's, it's <laughs> nope. too easy. You know, I, I know I'm not going to get drug out anymore, but I still feel like, Wow, that was that was too easy. So, anyway, we sound like a bunch of experts here. We just talked about some amazingly complex bookings, but it has not always been that way. Next up, I want to ask you each: What was the biggest mistake that you've ever made in points and miles? I'll start on this one. This was a while ago. I'll preface that, but I, I once transferred a hundred thousand chase points to Southwest because I thought it would earn me a companion pass. I didn't like read all the fine print. I think this was before I was even like writing about points and miles, but maybe not. And I transferred it and I like was waiting to like add a companion ticket to a flight that I already booked. And it didn't like the companion pass didn't show up for like two weeks. 
you know, called Southwest. Like, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, you have your points here. And, or sorry, called Chase. And they said that, like, oh, we sent them and called Southwest. Like, where's my companion pass? And they're like, oh, those don't earn companion pass, but congrats on your transfer. Ouch. And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. right. So lesson learned. Yeah. Matt, how about you? Uh, I think my biggest mistake and what everybody can also relate to is uh, does not getting started sooner in this count as a mistake or not? Wait, didn't you start when you were like five? (laughs) (laughs) Not on my own. (laughs) So if that counts, then that. But if it doesn't count, uh, I don't have like one just major mistake that I could think of, but I have a lot of like small mistakes. Like recently I closed an Amex Business Platinum card and I hadn't utilized like any of the credits for that year after they reset before I closed it. And like a day or two later, I was like, wow, I just closed that and didn't use the Dell credits, the travel credits, like any of them. And so I don't know what that would have been like three or $400, just kind of gave it back. So little things like that every once in a while, you know, every six months or so, there's like a random mistake, something like that. And I'm like, oh, should have, should have done that. Could be a lot worse. Yeah, I, I've made a lot of mistakes in this and kind of reflecting on them. I think what people probably need to realize when they do make a mistake is that like, it's not the end of the world. It's kind of just like an opportunity cost mistake. You know, you might not be making the best decision or the perfectly optimal choice, but it doesn't mean you're not still going to get to travel. You know, like you transferred 100,000 points from Chase to Southwest. I'm sure you've used all of those points since then you just kind of lost the opportunity of using them for other travel and that's uh kind of what happened to me with one of my biggest mistakes way back when not quite 2011 way back when but back in the day the world of hyatt credit card bonus um offered you free night certificates instead of points and for my honeymoon we stayed at park hyatt maldives so i thought hey let's open one of these but you had to reduce redeem them and use them within a year i thought it was just i had to book the trip within the year so i earned them in like february of the year before my honeymoon which we took in march but they had to be fully used right like i had to complete the stay by the expiration date so i couldn't use them for my honeymoon you know like i said opportunity costs i ended up using them to go to uh the miraval in arizona instead which was still like a great use of them but I had gotten them specifically for my honeymoon and instead had to transfer some chase points to to make up the difference at nights. Sounds like it worked out. Still married, so <laughs> all good. All good. Emily, how about you? What's the biggest mistake you've made? Yeah, so I, I guess like mine's not a huge like crippling mistake, but one of my weaknesses is definitely like not assessing what's in my wallet and like closing and downgrading things in a timely fashion. So um, I just uh, loaded my wallet in my 10X and realized how many fees I was paying, which is fine. I'm I'm getting a lot of value out of them. And a lot of them are credit cards from hotels. So like you pay $95 and you probably get more than that out of it. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a shocking number and I might have to do something about it. I don't know when this airs, but yeah, my 10x something big coming soon. I don't think we'll talk about it too much yet, but yeah, we're all we're all playing with this tool yet, and hopefully it'll be something big in the very near future. Coming soon, maybe here by the time you're listening to this. It may be, yeah, we will see. So yeah, so none of us are perfect. 
I think we, I, I still regularly make mistakes, points and miles all the time. Something else I've been curious about, what's your why behind points and miles? Why do you do this? I mean, of course, to save money, that seems to be the thing that brings everyone in, but what kind of keeps you going? What motivates you to you know, do your best with points and miles? What are you thinking about as you're kind of redeeming these? Whoever wants to go first, jump right in. I think for me, it's it's a combination of making more travel happen than probably wouldn't actually wouldn't happen without points and miles. But then the the sort of a step above that is making that travel be more luxurious than it would sort of ever be possible that I could envision. You know, I never would see myself staying at hotels that cost you know fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars a night. And not to say I do that regularly, but like it's not uncommon on some of these properties that we redeem points on to stay with stay at that cost that definitely feel like fish out of water a lot of times but it's still pretty awesome and of course like we've mentioned once you kind of do that you want to do more of it it's it is uh, a little bit of an addiction and and i stay at plenty of hyatt places fairfield inns you know whatever to sort of offset it but especially if we're going on like a fun vacation to a, a good destination that has a luxurious property it's try every which way to be able to make that possible um which would not be happening without points and miles. Um, and then another sort of caveat to that too is I almost always am able to say yes anytime a travel opportunity is presented, and I almost never have to think about it from a cost perspective, maybe probably 95% of the time. Whether it's a friend that's like, hey, let's go to the mountains or the beach or you know Europe or whatever, okay. You know, that's my first answer, not, well, let me, you know, we'll look into it and get back to you, whatever it's, Yes, we can do that without even sort of thinking about what it costs and then figure some of that part out later. I'll add, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty similar to Matt, you know, um, it's, it's getting to travel more and getting to travel in luxury, um, especially when my wife comes along. Like if I'm traveling by myself, I don't mind as much staying at, you know, a cheaper hotel or something. Sometimes I just want to nice safe place to to sleep but uh in generally it's it's to access travel that i never thought i'd be able to pay for you know flying emirates first class i've done it like six or seven times now um uh, it's not <laughs> like <laughs> when, <laughs> like when 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 would i i i couldn't fathom paying like ten fifteen thousand dollars for a flight um and it it makes the experience is more luxurious, but it, it also like kind of creates a really interesting mindset shift. Um, when my wife got a new job last year, we had to cancel um, a big trip that we had planned to Egypt for my birthday. So many people were telling her, oh, uh, you know, they were so nervous. They were like, wow, that sounds so amazing. Like, I can't believe you need to cancel that. But the way she put it, I thought was really uh really succinct you know she said well to a lot of people like that would be a once in a lifetime trip but we take a once in a lifetime trip every six to eight months so uh you know giving that flexibility in your life when other things do come up you know you don't feel like you're missing out or losing something and i still got to take the trip later anyway so <laughs> it all worked out it all worked out I'll jump in and give my answer real if I could real quick, Emily, because yeah. it's very similar to Travis, except it didn't have the cancellation bet. My why for points and miles now is is the mindset shift of uh, kind of an abundance mentality. Like if I'm in Paris and I'm on day three of a trip and I'm a little tired and like I want to go to the Louvre, but like I mean I I I think I want to go to the Louvre, but like I, I don't want to go to the Louvre, right? I'm tired, my feet hurt, I'm hungry. I won't go. 
right? And I won't go because I know I can come back and I know that I don't really have like a sunk cost. It's not like, hey, I spent, you know, I saved for nine months for this trip. Like you better get out there and do all these things because you sacrificed hard for this. I'm like, no, not really. It was almost like given to me with points and miles. So I just feel like everything's house money and I'm just going to actually enjoy myself knowing that I can return. And many times I do. You can just travel at a slower pace and kind of just do what you actually want, like have that abundance mentality. So that's that's what really fuels me. Yeah. Anyway, Emily, how are you? Yeah. I mean, mine, mine is similar. I like the past couple of years, I've been using my points and miles for a lot of domestic travel for like weddings and stuff. Um, so it's really nice to like not have to worry about the cost of that. And then like, obviously I'm going to try and use my points and miles for like international trips and stuff like that too. But just the savings that I get from domestic travel makes me feel a lot less guilty or like it just takes away from like, oh man, I really have to budget and plan for this big international trip that I'm going to do. And instead it's like, okay, well, I used points and miles to fly to Paris, but maybe I don't want to stay at like a chain hotel. Now I save so much money on my domestic travel that like I'm fine paying for like a nicer hotel with cash. And like, it just kind of balances itself out that way. So it's really kind of like save money here so I can spend it on something nicer later. Yeah, it, it 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 gives you options. Yeah. Yeah, I love the options. Next next question and as we kind of come to the end here of episode 1, what is your best hot take in points and miles? Points and miles is a space that seems to have kind of like orthodoxy. And we're and admittedly, tenant travel, we are partly guilty of pushing that cuz there's there's pretty particular steps or the the phrase I often use is there there's less variability to strategy than you think. A lot of people come in thinking I have these unique circumstances, therefore I need this unique strategy. And that's not generally how it works, but I'll save my hot take for a minute. Let's start, let's start with Emily on this one. Uh, Emily, what, what is your hot take in the points and miles space? I don't know. I, I won't, I have to, but I'll just start with one just so I don't steal someone <laughs> else's. But um, I think in general, like we always are pretty against buying miles, but there are some instances where it's actually a pretty good deal. Um, and you you always have to do your research and do the math. But if there's like a really nice hotel somewhere that is going to cost you like six grand to stay there for four nights, and then maybe it's a Hilton hotel and Hilton's selling you points where you can buy them and get 150% more on top of the ones that you just bought. So you just have to kind of do the math of here's how much it's going to cost me to buy the points I need to book this hotel versus here's what the cash cost of the actual hotel is. And then obviously choose whichever is less but all that I'm to say it's, Hilton it's that it's example the because they're probably the best case scenario for that example time and time again they almost always have a buy points get x number like bonus point sale going on and because it's such a big chain there's tons of points availability at like anywhere around the world to where even if you don't do points and miles you should look into it because yeah you could save 20 30 40 50% off a cash rate by paying cash, but just like channeling it through buying points. Yeah, but uh, on on that, Emily, like, are you saying that people should just buy Hilton points whenever they go on sale just in case? No, don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, that's why we always got to do the math. You can't, I think it's a bad idea for sure if you just like get shiny object syndrome. Shout out, Megan. <laughs> and you see uh, that they're on sale and you think it's a great price, the better option 
like 99% of the time is to look into how you can earn points that either transfer to that program or like you'll earn already existing within that program. So great call out, Travis. <laughs> yeah, buy if you only if you have an immediate redemption to use them for. And the math makes sense. What what what's your other hot take, Emily? I'm curious. We know we're going to get to that, right? Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> this one, I think, like, you don't always have to follow the best cards list. I know that's a that's a 10x travel hot take. <laughs> but here's my theory, which is, like, you don't always have to go in, like, the order of, like, the next best card. Sometimes there's a great strategy in looking at cards. Like, there's a few cards that earn United Miles. So maybe instead of going in order and getting an IHG and a Hyatt and a Marriott and having these, like, spread out points and not having enough to really do anything with them. If you focus in on like all the United cards or all the cards that are in Avios, then you can kind of take that approach too, rather than just looking at like the next best sign up bonus. I actually heard a third hot take in there and it's your <laughs> oh, no. pronunciation of Avios. Oh, <laughs> is that Ooh, a hot right? take? Which is it? Uh, I, don't I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's obvious, right? I don't I've know. I've always gone to Avios, but... Nope, hmm. I say obvious. Oh, oh man, I'm we got in the a different hot take. How do you say? Okay. How do you say the hotel that uh, starts with an M? It's a big Marriott US chain. Marriott. Marriott. All right, they're good. At least we got that one down. It's like yes. Moet. Yes. Right. Yeah. Another bougie take. Mean... <laughs> Moet. Isn't it Moet? Now they say it in France. I'm serious. No, I'm pretty sure it's Moet. I don't know. Fly yeah. me to France and I'll figure it out for you. <laughs> you're going to be an economy, though, and you're not going to be flying backward. Is that going to be a problem? Uh, I've got some United Plus points to burn, so it sounds sounds like, uh, uh, like I can fix boom. that problem. You can use Plus points out of a hub? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three hot takes and a, and a questioned pronunciation later, yeah. uh, which we'll maybe link in the show notes. I don't know. Uh I feel like maybe, I have to know this now. Maybe we'll have but, to have an article where we just have someone pronouncing things. So it's like, click here to learn how to say obvious. <laughs> it's funny because we get like press releases sometimes in the space where like a brand will clarify how to pronounce their name. And it's always kind of silly. And I think Marriott, yeah. right? Is it right? Yeah. Was the last one to do it. Yeah. Because they're tired of people saying Marriott. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. And Travis, what's your what's your hot take? <laughs> uh, uh, I, I guess bringing it full circle back to to Hilton again. Um, a lot of times, when especially if you've been in our 10x Travel Facebook Insiders group, you've probably heard a lot of people talking about transferring chase points to Hyatt, um, and like a lot of people kind of take a broad generalized view that chase points are great for hotels, particularly transferring to Hyatt. And American Express membership rewards points are really good for flights. But something that I don't see people talking about that often is using those uh, Amex points to transfer to Hilton. They transfer one to two. So you get two Hilton points for every one Amex point you transfer. And like, I'm I'm a like former science nerd. So like doing the the quick math, like a top tier Hilton will only require like 45,000 ish points per night. Um, Hilton also gives you the fifth night free on awards days. So if you stay five nights, 
that kind of dilutes that down even further into the 30,000 points. And top tier Hyatt's now are in that 30 to 40,000 point range as well. Uh, so like if you transfer Amex points to Hilton, you're often getting the same value as transferring Chase points to Hyatt. But sometimes Amex like also has transfer bonuses to to Hilton, like up to 50% where you'll actually get three Hilton points. So like when that happens, you can actually get Hilton hotels for fewer points than Hyatt's um, by transferring membership rewards instead of transferring ultimate rewards. And I just don't see like people talking about that enough. Um, similarly to Emily, like I'm not saying transfer them speculatively whenever you see the transfer bonus, but like if you're shopping hotels and there's a Hilton and a Hyatt and you need to transfer points to either program, it might actually require less Amex points to Hilton than uh, than Chase points to Hyatt. Love it. I love how on this podcast, which one of the goals is to kind of, you know, humanize us, if you will, I guess real people, hot takes are, you don't have to follow the best card list and you should transfer Amex points to Hilton. And I feel like if we put that in the Facebook group, we get flack <laughs> from our own readers about it. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this helps to kind of dull that because I agree with both of you. Well, I'll just keep the trend going and give us a good third one. <laughs> do it. So uh, we tell people to almost never do it. But if you know what you're doing, transferring points to take advantage of a transfer bonus without a redemption immediately in mind can be a worthwhile move. Point in case, uh, I use this regularly for transferring Amex or Chase points to British Airways to take advantage of like 20, 30, 40% uh, transfer bonuses uh, just to always keep them in my account. In fairness and disclosure, I live near Charlotte, which is an American Airlines hub. So I have a little bit of an unfair sort of opportunity to use Obvious that a lot of people probably don't because I can fly a lot of nonstop flights. So I get really good redemptions on them. If you don't live where there's nonstop American Airlines operated flights, not that that's the only place to use them, but they shine really well here domestically, uh, then this strategy won't work for you, but it works for me. Only domestically or also to uh, Turks oh, and Caicos? Yes, correct. I mean, that's basically <laughs> domestic. No, Charlotte Charlotte has a ton of nonstop flights to the Caribbean. So that's where I, I use a lot of them. The last time I did, I transferred 100,000 uh, Amex points and it gave me 140,000 British Airways Avios. And each way to Turks and Caicos in economy, mind you, which we do all the time because it's like a two and a half hour flight, is 11,000 Avios. So literally I got two free round trip tickets as a part of the transfer bonus, which was awesome. So back to my earlier question, you definitely feel guilty booking that, right? Because I would feel guilty booking that. I feel <laughs> so guilty cheap. knowing that the cash rate is like seven or 800 bucks almost all the time. Uh, and seeing that the flights are pretty full, people going on like vacations that they've probably saved up for quite a bit for, you know, a, a long time. And I just, we, we do it like twice a year on average. And it's like kind of not a big deal. That's the part I feel guilty about is like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go to Turks and Caicos for the weekend. Whereas like that's a huge redemption for a lot of people. That part's just I've never really been able to wrap my head around that. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's I'm spoiled in that regard. And it, for those only listening on audio, you, if you don't see Matt's face, he just looked guilty. I don't know if y'all just saw that. He, sa he said that and then he like looked left and like looked right and then looked back at the camera. So yep. guilty as charged. I feel you, bud. Yeah, that, that like, Travis, feeling you were saying something. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it, it. it's funny. I've A lot of my friends have started texting me now, like, if they're wanting to make plans. And the first thing they ask is, hey, are you in the U.S.? Because, like, 
like you said, Matt, like you're going there twice a year, you're going other places all the time. And it's like, they just know that it's like, you, you might not even be, be here now. I will wrap this one up uh, and we'll do one more question after this. Uh, I, my hot take, if there, you know, if I have one in points and miles is that you have to, you have to learn by doing. I think that there's so much of this hobby that is surrounded with like psychological barriers that just, they don't make logical sense, which points and miles attracts kind of a logical crowd, right? It's like a, it's like a puzzle. There's rules. You have to like learn these systems. And if you follow the rules, well, you do well. But where a lot of people get stuck is that there's truly like a barrier to redeeming your first points. Like you know that it's 11,000 points to fly from Charlotte to Turks. You know how to run the award search. But until you actually like click the buttons and that magic kind of clicks in your head, I think that your learning is quite limited. So I encourage people, especially who are new to this, like do, or as I always say, like make mistakes of action and not mistakes of inaction. Don't sit there and and, you know, kind of overanalyze everything and then end up doing nothing. I would rather you use points horribly and just book something bad and waste, you know, three vacations worth of points because then you learned. And then somebody can come on the podcast, tell us about your biggest mistake. Paralysis by analysis is a a major pandemic in the points and miles world. And and a lot of it, I think, is caused because there's, you know, outlets like ours where people are showing off these amazing redemptions, you know, for just stupid low amounts of points. And you can easily convince yourself like, wait, why am I not doing that? Well, you're, you're looking at the people who are, you know, the best at this in the entire world. Just, I think that people need to do more, book more, even if it's not perfect. And that's how you're going to learn it and just know that it'll, you know, eventually come around. So anyway, that's my hot take. I think we'll do one more question. I think what we're going to set up for here is kind of what your advice would be uh, to beginners. Cause that's, we're hoping a lot of people who listen to this are, are pretty brand new to this and and I will say, first and foremost, if you're still listening and your head is kind of spinning, and you're like, oh, my goodness, they're like talking about how to pronounce these names I've never heard of. And like they're, you know, transferring points here and there. And it just seems like a complete traffic jam of knowledge. Like that's normal. We were all there not long ago. No one picks this up early. I'm kind of already answering my own question. And, I'll, you know, I'll save my answer here for a minute. But I, I just want to mention that this is going to seem confusing at first. We're going to kind of boil it down and make it easy for you. I want all of you to be thinking about that question. And, and while you do that, I want to mention to everyone listening, I think the thing that sets us apart at 10X Travel here is we go out of our way to teach beginners. We have an amazing free course that you can find on our site, 10xtravel.com slash course, walks you through everything you need to know. If you're doing it right, you're going to have to go through that thing five, seven, maybe 10 times, reverting back to it almost like a cookbook because very few people memorize how all of this works, including myself, including, I you know, don't mean to speak on behalf of all of you, but I'm assuming that you're in the same boat, right? You forget things. You have to kind of re, you know, re-pick things up, relearn them. That's normal. So it's a journey. You'll get there. We'll help. And we'll start by helping by telling you our advice for beginners. So uh, let's go back this way down the order. Matt, what would you tell someone after they've you know, asked you what points and miles are and you gave them your elevator sp- speech, which is way better than mine? You know, what's your advice for them if you just had one or two things to tell them? No, no offense to Travis, but flying first class to, uh, to the Maldives semi-annually on Emirates first class is perfect for Instagram. And it's awesome. And I'm envious of the people that do it. I haven't been, but maybe one day. But it's also just not a realistic way that a majority of people are going to use their points and miles. And I think seeing this on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, gives off this like false narrative that that's the only way to use points and miles. And that's the sort of stigma that I like to try and 
sort of disprove no like no harm against people that do it it's an awesome destination and like in terms of like value and travel that you would never be able to probably do for most people on cash like yes it's amazing but to me domestic or more close to home travel is often how a majority of people are going to end up using their points and miles and in some regards a family reunion in the middle of iowa is that was made possible using points and miles is like just as good of a redemption as a week at the park high at the maldives and i think those should be celebrated equally so focus less on like you know comparing the different types of champagne that emirates and etihad serve in first class or you know whatever you know which one has the shower which one doesn't and and the like cents per points you got on that redemption other than using that as a baseline and more on like the overall impact on the redemptions that you're making well i i just want to clarify i have flown business class to the maldives (laughs) and etihad and emirates both have a shower so (laughs) I don't know if that helps or hurts. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Travis, I'm really coming in with yeah. the thing that you said. Yeah. Not to do. <laughs> nice. Travis, what, what would be your advice for beginners? Brand new yeah. points and miles. I, 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 would, I, I would say that my advice would be to, to slow down. Um, points and miles has, has a learning curve. Like it just inevitably does. Um, a lot of people tend to jump in head first, trying to go 200%. Um, rather than slowing down, finding the pace and the balance that goes for them. I mean, Matt earlier mentioned how, you know, he's gone from buying all these gift cards and going to office supply stores to three to four cards a year. And he's still taking all of the trips that he wants. Slow down, find the pace that works for you and enjoy the journey. You know, it is a, there's a learning curve to it. You will inevitably find that you hit a point where you feel like I can't figure this out. This is not going to click. And I'm going to tell you now that is redeeming points for flights for the majority of people. That's where that curve starts feeling sometimes a little like you're like you're a little lost. But the best way to get through it is to keep practicing, tap into the resources that are available. Because as you practice over time, you'll eventually finding yourself having like random pieces of knowledge that feel ridiculous and nonsensical like oh you can book american airlines flights with etihad miles or like matt's example of booking those flights with uh with british airways avios um and that might not wet on board yeah that might not feel normal to you now you know you might not have that instinct that those are options that are available to you but stick with it keep practicing and just engaging with communities and resources that are out there and someday at some point you'll still feel lost but you'll read a comment in the facebook group where someone else asks i'm looking to fly from charlotte to turks and caicos on american airlines what's the best points to use and while you won't think you have the answer you'll hear this little voice in the back of your head saying avios Um, with emily's (laughs) pronunciation not avios like mine and you'll find these moments like happening more and more and that's a sign that you are learning so don't be discouraged if it feels overwhelming at at some point it's happened probably to all of us here and it's certainly going to happen to you but as long as you stick with it you'll you'll get past that we're going to look really silly if british airways reaches out after this goes live and says it's actually pronounced avios (laughs) <laughs> you guys aren't even on the right syllable with the emphasis 
I love it. Like, because... <laughs> Emily, what would you tell beginners points and miles? Yeah. I, I mean, I think like it's kind of in the same vein as what Matt and Travis has said, but like make the hobby work for you, right? Like idealizing all these like awesome redemptions is great and it helps you kind of like set goals and figure out like that you might be able to do that at some point too. But there's a lot of different ways that you can approach the hobby. So you don't have to like dive into 100%. You can kind of like pick and choose what's going to work with your lifestyle. Like just because Matt's going to Office Depot like seven times a week doesn't mean that <laughs> you anymore. have to do the same. Not anymore. But like you just have to pick with what fits with your lifestyle. And if that's not going to work for you, then like take a different approach and just focus on like a couple cards a year um, and, and take it slow and build up your knowledge as you're doing that. I think um, there's a lot of pressure to kind of like do it the best every time. And it's okay to not do it that way. Yeah. And, and you might be like surprised where going slow can get you. I mean, we've written articles on our site showing you how you can take trips with just two cards. So it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. Like find what works for you, find the pace that works for you and figure out how to deploy your strategy rather than everyone else's. Yeah. My, I guess my advice for beginners is always, I say one card, one trip make it super like tactical, super clear, open, open a credit card, right? Do that soon. Don't sit there and analyze all of them to death, right? You should probably start with one of the chase sapphires, prefer to reserve, you know, or email us, we can help you, but do that soon, earn a bonus and then redeem it in any way that you can, but do so quickly. Even if it's crap, even if you take a Europe, you know, Europe's worth of points that you saw someone else use for, a, you know, a shower in the sky and you use it for a flight to, you know, Missouri and back, that's fine. Just don't Just redeem it for cash. Belt. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> one card, one trip, not one card, one cash. Uh, but once you get that under your belt, it just seems like that, that's what makes things click. And then that kind of, you start to see credit card offers and points like through the lens of how you can redeem them. It's just the smallest little cycle of, of what you'll hopefully repeat for a lifetime and just seeing how points work. But, you know, don't, don't overanalyze. Don't sit there and hoard a bunch of points until you redeem something open one card, earn its bonus, and book one trip. It does not matter what it is. And then everything else will start to click. And on behalf of Bryce, no offense to all of our readers in Missouri. <laughs> this is true. I mean, I live in Ohio, okay? <laughs> of which when I say that, people are usually like, like surprised. Like apparently they're like, if you work in kind of travel or like media, you don't live in Ohio, I guess is kind of the unsaid thing. Um, yeah. Apologies to our readers in Missouri, for our uh, champagne enthusiasts, and to everyone at British Airways who works on the pronunciation team. But anyway, that's I think that's about it. Great first episode. Does any, any closing thoughts from anyone? Points and miles related? Random? Nope. You're putting Emily's us on starting the spot to smile. Now. No. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just going to plug some resources, but... You know, besides that. Oh, yeah, we got to get to the sponsors <laughs> of the show. Oh, isn't that what all the podcasts <laughs> yes. do? Yeah. I mean, I think, like, you've heard a lot from us today about, like, mistakes you can make, how we all got started. But if you're looking in to jump into this hobby as well, like, we've got a lot of great resources. We have uh, a free course on our website, 10xtravel.com, where you can build a foundational knowledge. Um, and what's great about this podcast is that going forward, we'll be kind of, like, breaking down the nitty gritty to give you guys uh, 
the resources to be successful in this hobby yourself. So definitely check out the website. We have a Facebook group, 10X Travel Insiders, with over 200,000 people in it. So if you're looking for other people who are just like you and getting started, that's a great place too. Um, And then if you get stuck where everyone else tends to get stuck trying to redeem your points, we also have an award booking service. So feel free to reach out to us and we're happy to help you spend your hard-earned points. Awesome. Well, for Emily, Travis, and Matt, I'm Bryce Conway. We are 10X Travel. Thanks for joining us on this first podcast. We hope to catch you again on the next one and we'll see you around the internet.